Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You are tuned in to the Foul Weather Podcast the forecast to your next successful hunt. Coming to you from the home office, Jack's Reef, New York. The Foul Weather Podcast team uses the most up-to-date climate models to forecast long-term winter weather that causes ducks to migrate south. Will December and January skies be filled with ducks in the deep south, or will they stall at mid-latitudes once again? Okay, my friends, it's time for part two of the seasonal forecast. Many atmospheric systems are now in place that will greatly influence when or if ducks make it out of the mid-latitudes and to southern locales. If you have not, please go back and listen to episode three, How We Make Seasonal Forecasts. Today, we detail a small portion of that episode. First of all, El Nino and La Nina events are very warm Pacific Ocean temperatures, that is El Nino, or very cold Pacific Ocean temperatures, La Nina, and this can greatly affect winter weather in North America, and we use that forecast, the El Nino or La Nina, to make broad generalizations about likelihood of quality duck migration to southern latitudes. We are 100% in an El Nino winter, and all models suggest a moderate to strong El Nino at its peak from November to January. But there are caveats and other factors can certainly modify the impacts of El Nino. So we also look to predict the Arctic Oscillation Index, which is the difference between atmospheric pressure or low and high pressure systems between the Arctic and mid-latitudes in the Atlantic Ocean. In the negative phase, cold air is more likely to pour out of the Arctic and into eastern North America, but the opposite is true during a positive Arctic Oscillation Index. All right, so what affects the Arctic Oscillation? That actually starts in Siberia in October. The advance of snow cover in Siberia sets up a cold high-pressure system, which which kind of creates low and high-pressure systems in just the right places to cause a wobbly jet stream and more likely cold outbreaks into eastern North America. This is what is called as a polar vortex disruption. When polar air circulates tightly near the poles, that is called a polar vortex and cold air stays far north and is less likely to cause major movements of ducks, like mallards, south during winter. For those of you that listened to episode 5 in the grips of El Nino, you know that part 1 of our seasonal forecast predicted a warm prairie, a warm upper Midwest, and Great Lakes region for the winter. You also may have noticed in episode 9, Hot Barrels High on the Prairie, that we had a major early cold front into the Canadian prairies and northern U.S. prairies that sent most ducks to more southern areas at mid-latitudes kind of in a hurry. So, you know, we might think that that contradicts the seasonal forecast part one. The reality is that the prairies can still have a really mild winter overall. But think about this, as the northern hemisphere naturally cools, 
as we move into fall and winter and we still have hot oceans and a naturally cooling northern hemisphere, these temperatures across the planet at some point must equilibrate. It's like when you open your window in winter. The cold and hot air don't just, you know, play nice and stay in place. They mix. They equilibrate. So what happened is called a stretched polar vortex, mostly resulting from lower atmosphere or near-surface temperature differences, much like your bedroom window. These are typical balancing events, right? Of course, really, this is simplified, but the idea is that the planet goes through this period where it equilibrates between very warm centers uh, around the equatorial ocean and then areas that are getting colder um, as we go into the northern hemisphere autumn and winter. That recent, you know, kind of stretched polar vortex really does highlight why the Fall Weather podcast that drops each Monday morning is important to follow because even with a warming planet, we continue to see really quality weather events that push ducks south at kind of irregular intervals. We use the most up-to-date science and our mathematical models to forecast fresh ducks into your area. In the last few weeks, we forecast, I'd say days in advance, movement of early migrants into mid-latitudes and mallards into about the South Dakota, kind of Iowa, northern Illinois latitudes. They're trickling into the latitude of Missouri, and as expected, that region, the Missouri region's mallard numbers, are about 50% greater right now than the long-term average for this time of year. But mostly we have a good number of early dabbling ducks right now, you know, moving kind of south. Mallards are kind of, I'd say, stagnant. But again, all this was forecast by the Fall Weather Podcast team well ahead of when it happened. So that stretched polar vortex event happened and moved ducks south in a hurry in the mid-continent. A little more detail here. This was largely caused by hot air over the Pacific and Atlantic moving north on either side of the continent and basically squeezing cold air down into the mid-continent. We note that the Pacific and Atlantic coast did not see this cold. I mean, I'd say far from it, right? Where we're at in the Atlantic Flyway in central New York, we still have black-eyed Susans flowering at the home office in Jack's Reef, and we got bit by mosquitoes just this week um, in the marsh while duck hunting. So far from the cold conditions that the mid-continent saw. All right, for those of you that have kept up with us and know the Siberian snow cover thing, you're like, all right, tell us the punchline. You've been doing the background stuff for the most part here. First, as stated, El Nino is in place, and that is highly likely to cause mild temperatures in the northern U.S. portion of the mid-continent, across the Great Lakes, and into the northeast U.S. throughout December and January. The El Nino also has people a little scared in the mid-continent region, kind of Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, that dry conditions will continue. And that is what's expected under that El Nino is that that region will really remain dry kind of in the Midwest centered around Michigan. In the South, we do expect the return of wetter kind of winter conditions and wetter than normal which is going to be really helpful considering really the substantial drought in most locales of the southern Mississippi River Valley and in the southeast in the Atlantic Flyway. These wet conditions, they might not manifest until around the new year, so those with capacity to pump should likely do so prior to migration events um, so that you can produce habitat. So prior to migration events that are forecast by the Fall Weather Podcast, you know, start pumping in preparation for those birds. 
remember this isn't just about shooting ducks, right? The the Foul Weather Podcast, you know, we talk a lot about uh, the factors that affect duck migration. We talk about duck foods. We talk about wetland management. But we're also providing places for hungry ducks to eat and rest so we can send them back really strong to the north um, into their breeding grounds to produce more ducks for the next year. So that's what El Nino is going to probably bring us. But that Siberian snow cover, right, we'll talk about that now. It started off really, really weak and even melted way back. About 50% of it melted at one time. But it gained a bunch near the end of October. Um, and October is really that key period for snow cover advance in Siberia to, to create that kind of cold, high-pressure system that can create that wobbly jet stream, right? The October snow cover, though, ended up right at the long-term average, so there's no strong indication of a polar vortex disruption kind of slam dunk. Rather, most climatologists are kind of struggling to make long, long-term long predictions at this point. It's why we delayed the seasonal forecast a few days. We hoped for a little more development. We got a little bit more, but not a lot. We're really at a major atmospheric fork in the road. Um, there's really too many indicators to go in any one direction right now, um, but we're using you know what's available to make that that prediction. The oceans really remain so warm that another stretched polar vortex event is likely in the second half of November or early December. If this happens, it will likely just hit the same areas as before, and I doubt it to move many mallards into the deep south early. It could send some more early dabbling ducks like pintail, gadwall, widgeon, greenwing tail, and shovelers a bit more south, really kind of push them into the deep south a bit more uh, in general. The bad news is if that does happen, that is, there's a stretched polar vortex in the second half of November or early December, this increases the likelihood of a strong polar vortex developing and holding cold air north in really tight circulation for the rest of winter. So the honest comment here is that you should, and all right, it, yes, a plug for the podcast, but an honest one. You probably aren't going to get a more honest seasonal forecast than from the Fall Weather Podcast team. The honest comment is that you should really continue to follow us each Monday morning to see if a stretched polar vortex happens for the Central and Mississippi flyways because it might be a really good period in you know late November, early December to get out there and make sure you got some time off work and, and get after ducks. Because after that, if that polar vortex really organizes, then the likelihood of any major cold outbreaks throughout the rest of winter becomes increasingly unlikely. Unfortunate for the Atlantic Flyway folks, I don't see that kind of stretched polar vortex doing much unless it pushes far enough into the upper Great Lakes region of like Western Ontario, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan. I don't see it moving that far east. It is possible, but if that happens, we could pick up ducks from the northwest and the Fowl Weather Podcast team will be there to tell you which days might be the best for those flight days from the northwest into the Atlantic Flyway. Overall, all indications continue to push us towards a mild winter overall at northern latitudes because of El Nino and because of a very warm planet and very warm equatorial oceans that will probably, these will probably override most every other atmospheric, atmospheric signal that's out there. That said, the European model is predicting a strong polar vortex disruption, not just a stretched one, in December. There's a lot of dispute about that. 
but where and when it hits is really a moving target or if it hits at all. It could be a major East Coast event, but I bet it more of an kind of upper Midwest Mississippi flyway event with less cold effects into the Atlantic flyway. So stay tuned and we'll look out for that one to see if it's coming. All right, so that's a lot of bed hedging. So what's the point? What's this mean for duck hunting east of the Rockies in North America this season? What's it mean for the central Mississippi and Atlantic flyways? More than likely, duck migration in the western portion of the central flyway will be about average, but with longer periods of stale ducks. In the eastern portion of the central flyway, in all of the Mississippi flyway, we expect a trickle of ducks south. So take advantage of those early migrants. We expect mallards to really hang up this year in mid-latitudes. And for those that push to the deep south before everything gets wetter in late December and January, then maybe shooting will be good um, if you meter your pressure. So if it stays dry and mallards show up, they've got less places to go. But you're going to really need to think about your pressure because mallards are big ducks that can get fat and they can they can sit out your guns, right? And they can feed at night as well. So metering your pressure is what you're going to need to do if you want to shoot mallards, especially under these really pressured conditions. In the Atlantic flyway, ugh, we may be in for one of our mildest winters on record. Look for a small chance of a polar vortex disruption in December, but then just super very mild um, into January. That's the expectation. So temper your expectations, join us on the Foul Weather Podcast each Monday a.m., and watch how much ducks are pressured. That will all be important to your satisfaction and duck hunting success this season. The Foul Weather Podcast forecasts fresh ducks. Know where the ducks are at before the ducks know where they are at. (laughs) Right? Shoot the ducks fresh from the north before they know where they are at. Spread the word about the Foul Weather Podcast. We produce the only duck migration forecast available. Ducks will move. They will migrate. Follow us to find out when and where. Remember to share, follow, and rate us for free. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, and Instagram. Also look us up on the web at foulweather.co where you can find episode links, recipes, and additional information about how to support the Foul Weather Podcast. We are the forecast to your next successful hunt. Thanks for listening, and as always, may your skies be filled and shoot straight, my friends. <laughs>